Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Edmonton was high on my list. Um, they got a lot of skill up front, and I think they have a great future ahead. I still don't have a Stanley Cup, so I think joining this team is, is pretty exciting uh, when I look at the potential that the lineup has. My decision was uh, pretty easy, obviously, with those high-caliber players they have on their roster, and just being in the hockey city uh, made my decision real easy. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. This is Oscar Plus. This is Milan This is Cam Talbot. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers. This is Oil Country. And this is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digital. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. Now, Bob Stoffer on the official radio station of your Edmonton Oilers, 630 Shed. special to open up today's show. Welcome everybody. Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers Now. It is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Trusted by 630 Chid. Visit their new e-commerce site and order supplies, printers, and much more at digitex.ca. We have a jam-packed edition of the show today. Final show, uh, really, of the summer uh, for us. Coming up in about two minutes' time, he is the Edmonton-based producer of Making Coco, the Grant Fears story. Adam Scorgi in studio. Uh, Adam's worked on several other projects that you're going to find very interesting. At 12.35 today, the head coach of the Bakersfield Condors in studio for an hour, Jay Woodcroft. 1.35 from Inside Sports, Reed Wilkins will preview the weekend. Brock Sutherland is the Edmonton Eskimos general manager, and he will be joining us at 1.45. This is Oilers Now. Here's how you get hold of us. You can reach us on our River Creek Resort and Casino hotline, 780-496-0063. April Wine, Sunday at River Cree, Steve Earle and the Dukes, three weeks from Sunday at the River Cree, the 30th anniversary of Copperhead Road. You can text us on our Westlock Ford text line at 630-630. And if you're looking for a new vehicle, go see Paul Olson at Westlock Ford. Check out their great selection today at westlockford.com. We're on Twitter, at Oilers Now. You can tweet me personally, Bob underscore Stoffer. And... Yes, indeed. You can email the show as well. Oilers now at 630chad.com. Mark Spector, starting Tuesday, gets moved to Tuesdays. Stoffer Inspector every Tuesday, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta and the 7,000 men and women that work in the Alberta horse racing industry. Quickly, to NHL today for elite promotional marketing, more than just sportswear, and really just one piece of business. Late last night, the Calgary Flames signed Noah Hannafin, six-year extension, $4.95 million. Hannafin played 
played over 700 minutes in the third pairing for the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, only 23% of the time against top six forwards, courtesy Wood Guy, a.k.a. Darcy McLeod, for that information. But uh, bottom line here is the Flames are trusting that he's going to be a top four defenseman. From my perspective, and it's only one guy's opinion, for those of you asking about Darnell Nurse, I do not see Darnell Nurse getting a long-term deal at this time. Uh, he is almost certainly going to get a two-year bridge. It'll most likely be north of $3 million AAV. If Nurse crushes it during one of those two years, maybe as a 12-goal, 45-point season, the long-term deal that he will sign with the Oilers at that stage because they do value him, and he is a part of their long-term leadership core with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, would be well north of $5.5 million in that scenario if he puts up those type of numbers. He's a different type of defenseman than Noah Hannafin. So that's just a quick rip at our NHL today. Some thoughts on Darnell Nurse and Noah Hannafin for elite promotional marketing more than just sportswear. In studio, we'd like to welcome uh, back to the show Adam Scorgio. Adam, we had you in uh, for Ice Guardians about, uh, what was that, about two years ago? Yeah, about two years ago, I think. And uh, and here we go with Making Coco. And I know you guys have got a couple uh, uh, film festival uh, premieres, one in Toronto, one in Calgary coming up. There will be an Edmonton launch at some point. So I guess the first question I have for you, who comes up with the concept of telling the Grant Fear story? <laughs> uh, that's interesting, actually. Uh, our director, Don Metz, had had, uh, because Grant had finished doing his book, so Don had come to me and said, hey, would you like to do something on Grant Fear? And... I almost thought it was a trick question. I'm like, are, are you kidding me? Is that a, like, <laughs> of course I'd love, growing up as an Oilers fan, I would love to do something on him. So we, we looked at the story and uh, there's definitely enough material there. And then uh, we approached Grant about it and, and Grant being so humble is just like, well, if you think there's something cool enough to tell, I'd love to do it. So we, we jumped on it. And a cool part for me is when we were on the first conference call with me meeting Grant Fuhrer, he like stopped the conversation just to be like, Adam, I just want to tell you, like, I really loved Ice Guardians and I'm thrilled that you're helping produce my documentary, which was a real kind of pinch me moment being like, wow, like a guy I idolized growing up is excited that I'm producing his film. So it was a pretty cool moment. Um, you know, it's interesting because I got to tell you, you know, I know he was the first black star in the National Hockey League, but as a guy growing up, I didn't, he was Grant Fear to me as, uh, you know, as like you. I mean, I was, I'm a little bit older than you, but I, I was an Oilers fan as well. They were my team. And I love Grant Fear because I hated goaltenders that are selfish that stare down their defensemen when mistakes get made, that give the stink eye to the bench. I, that is an apps. I am the type of guy that, would fire a puck at my own goaltender on a power play if he <laughs> sat there and embarrassed one of our first years and I was a second year on a team as I went through the double-A system. Like, I was that guy. And what I admired, one of the things I admired the most about Grant is never once did I ever see him throw a teammate under the bus. So, Adam, I'm sure you got that feedback, that love for his teammates because of how selfless he was. I mean, he, it was not about himself. It was always about the team first. He wasn't worried about shutouts and goals against average. It was about getting the wins. It, you, it, exactly. That's what he talked about is that it was always about getting the wins. And we have a great interview with Plinsky where he said, like, like in his opinion, Grant's the greatest goaltender ever played because he's like the only time he makes a joke in the film. It's a great one. He's like, the only time Grant saw his defenseman is when he came out of the dressing room, right? That he yeah. never, to, to go with your comment, like uh, Gretzky talked about that, how Grant never did that. He never even, that was what 
so many players said made him the ultimate money goalie is that he never did that thing where if a goal went in, he started to look like, how did that get by me or whatever? No one was better at brushing it off, not blaming anybody, and focusing on the next one, right? That's why even Martin Brodeur says he's, the, in his opinion, the ultimate money goalie. Like, he might have let in four, but when you needed to stop that fifth one, it wasn't going in. He could put the other stuff past him. He didn't blame a teammate. He focused on getting the next one done and getting the win for the team. You know, the other thing is, it is a sign of the reflection of the confidence that he had in his team that they could outscore the opposition. That's the other part of it is his belief. So, I mean, it's it's a pretty interesting... uh, I mean... Hey, I talk oilers for a living on a daily basis, right? And I mean, we look back to Grant Fear and Andy Mogan, that combination and goal in the 1980s, spectacular. Um, but there were some trials and tribulations along the way. I mean, he made it, he made a comment early in his career that ruffles some feathers. Andy Moog was the guy in the 81 playoffs, and then the Oilers take Grant, you know, what, eighth overall in the draft? And then suddenly, boom, he's the guy. And, and then the team, you know, bombs out against L.A. in the first round after they took a quantum step forward in the regular season. So that, I, I'm, I'm sure, obviously, race was a bit of an issue, Adam. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is he had so many trials and tribulations along, along the way. That must have been, uh, you know, give me a chance for some incredible storytelling. Yeah, and, and I mean, working with Don and, the, I mean, the archive we have, we go into all that, the miracle in Manchester and L.A., you know, him calling the fans jerks and getting sent down to Moncton. And anytime you, as you must interview him tons over the years, like Glenn Sather is just gold. Like we could have, you could have cut a film almost just, just Glenn Sather commenting, but we, of course, we've got a, a Rolodex of all-stars that came on board right. for this. But they, they talked about all that. I mean, how originally Sather, the two games that Sather came to watch, Grant play, he was horrible. He led in 8-1 in Victoria and he led in like 6-2 or something. And he said, there's no way I'm not drafting this guy. And Paul Coffey was there and he was asking Barry Frazier, he's like, oh, so who, are we picking as a guy here they were picking they pointed the goaltender and and paul's like at that point they let in eight goals and he was like i don't block shots like we're gonna need a better goaltender than this right so uh great moments understanding what grant went through to become such a great player but something even me learning is that he never even had a goalie coach till he went to buffalo like he discovered everything on his own learning quick reflexes and figuring it out Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's amazing what he was when, if you weren't a Grant Fuhr fan before this film, you certainly will be afterwards. Adam Scorgi joining us. He is the producer of Making Coco, uh, the Grant Fuhr story. Uh, Well, there is the race car. I mean, that is that is part of it. He was the first. Back then, the term would be black. Today, would be African Canadian, African American (laughs) star and star in the National Hockey League, wasn't he? Yeah, and it's interesting because right now we're also working on uh, Donovan Bailey's doc and. And how big of an inspiration Grant was, not just to other black athletes in Canada, not just Cana- not just hockey players, but athletes. Like, Donovan Bailey was like, man, that was somebody that I looked up to growing o- up in Oaksville, Ontario. There wasn't a lot of black athletes for black Canadian athletes for others to look up to. And Donovan's like, dude, I loved Grant. And then when you meet Grant, 
you become even a bigger fan because he's such a great guy, right? Like, and I mean that. I'm not just saying that because I worked on his film. Like, I've had the pleasure to work with a lot of athletes, and Grant is something special where I forget, like, you're hanging out with dinner with him, and he's just so mellow and so nice, and then... Well, there's no ego. No. Ever. Ever. Like, like where you, you only remember when everyone swarms him when you leave the dinner table. You're like, oh, that's right. He is a Hall of Fame legendary player. But he said himself the interesting part was he didn't experience a ton of racism. Like, growing up, not even much. He said maybe because he wore a mask. He's like, you know, all you could see is maybe my fro until he went to Buffalo. That was really the first time he had experienced any kind of racism was out there. Really? Yeah. Them. And that's when he wasn't allowed. He went to go get a membership at a golf course. And right. they said, we, we don't accept your kind. And, and Grant was kind of, he was confused, like, what, what, like hockey players? Right? Like, honestly, because he, growing up in Canada, he's like, I just didn't really experience it. And then actually the fans, like, they burned a swastika in the golf course and they did all this stuff where they then came back and, and they, they fired called- the board and they offered him. A, but, but then Grant's like, no, I already got a membership up the street or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, but it was interesting to hear, like, we were trying to push we're not push, but try to find more of the racism angle. And Grant's like, man, like growing up in Alberta at the well, time, did, it just really wasn't there. What did Glenn Anderson say? Because I've seen a yeah. bit of a, the, the, the longer preview. What did Glenn Anderson say about Grant? Yeah, he said he was never blacked us. He was just one of the team. Well, right? That's always like, they were such a, the Oilers back then, as you know probably better than me, because I was younger than this, that they were really a special camaraderie. Right. And that's always been the thing is, did the camaraderie help make the team or did the team make the camaraderie? They well, don't when really, you win more, that helps too, yeah. as a rule. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, some might say uh, character gets revealed when you lose, but the fact is, you can build more when you win. Uh, Adam Scorchy joining us right now. So, so you've got uh, you know the obvious fact. You know, here you got a black goaltender in the early 1980s, and he's, he's unbelievable reflexes, and his style today would not get played from a technical perspective for goalies. Um, but he also we talk about the trials and tribulations, and he I mean he got suspended by the league. Yep. Uh, for and I am about as liberal of a guy as there is on that kind of stuff. Just yeah. you know I'm yeah. like, really yeah. you know that. And I, but I mean he was out a while, and Bill Ranford becomes the goaltender of record in uh, the eighty nine ninety season and wins the Stanley Cup, the Oilers' fifth and final cup, which is an amazing story. People forget Grant was the goalie back in there in nineteen ninety one yep. before the Oilers made the trade with the Leafs. So correct. So you you chronicled them along the way in Toronto and and then on to Buffalo and St Louis as well. All of his yeah, and we we went through you know through every great film we have to go through you know celebration and the, the, we went through the whole thing and we said to Grant like look we can't tell your story and not go into the suspension. Right, because right. that's a, every reviewer will rip us apart. And Grant was totally open to it. He's like, "Look, I've already talked about it in my book. I've even when it happened, I took it on the chin. I did every media interview. Yep. I even let interviewers call in and give their opinion, which no athlete on the planet would do that today. Right, right. You want to talk about a guy taking it on the chin? Like, yeah. I don't think I would argue no athlete took it on the chin as well as him because the suspension just wouldn't happen today. All it, the only reason it happened is because he admitted it. Right. It all came out after, and they were looking at a lifetime ban originally, a lifetime ban for at a time, that time, a four-time Stanley Cup champion, Hall of Fame written for him, and he was up for a lifetime ban only because he admitted it. We should mention it was for cocaine. For cocaine, yeah, and never failed a team test, never failed a league test, never caught, you know, driving under the influence, never arrested, nothing like that, just simply that his, the information was coming out, the Edmonton Journal was going to publish it, they finally had some witnesses. A year after he'd been out of rehab, had no longer been using, had got himself focused back into the game, then they were going to publish the story and said, hey, we're going to publish a story with or without you. Would you like to get your word in? He said, well, I may as well get something in there, even if you guys mince it. I'm going to come get a word in. 
And because he did, the NHL said you can't do that. But the NHL didn't even have any official rule on the rule book for this at this time. So they used him as a scapegoat. Yes, they did. And the PA didn't have anything, so they wanted to use this as a bargaining negotiation next time around. So he really took it on the chin for the league. And you know they reduced another, it to a year. I had somebody suggest to me another reason why the PA was prepared to do that in Grant's case is because they knew he was so good that it wasn't going to derail his career. That he was it, there would be in a brief, abridged time for a year. But he was a good. He was such a good goaltender that he was going to be able to bounce back and continue playing for several more years. Which and I know that sounds like people are like what, but that's you know this wasn't a guy who was at last chance. You here. This was a goaltender that was at the top of his game when this occurred. Adam Scorgi joins us. Adam, you did Ice Guardian which was uh, about the hockey enforcers, which was very, it's still, you still get feedback from that all the time, don't all you? All the time. It's it's crazy. I still get, even from other players and stuff too, it's, uh, it, it, as you know, Bob, because you've worked with the hockey community, unlike other sports, there is a real tight-knit community with hockey. And I know people say that, but there really is. Like, And once you're accepted and respected in that world, like, it was so easy to do Grant's film because we had Don, who has tons of relations sure. there, Grant, who's incredibly respected. And then when they're like, well, who else is on the team? He also there? played with a bunch of different teams, so it allows you to talk to players from different organizations and star players who have tremendous appreciation for how unique of a talent he is. Well, people often forget how great he was in St. Louis, right? right. Like he was, the, the league had pretty much, you know, he'd went to Buffalo and then he went to LA and he wasn't having much success in LA and they were, even Grant was, hadn't a second guess himself. Like, am I done or am I going to put in the work and really try to come back? And in St. Louis, he set several NHL records when everybody had pretty much thought he was done other than Iron Mike Keenan gave him a chance. And the story is it's in the doc. I'm giving a spoiler. He was sitting in a cafe in New York and a big black suburban drives by and out jumps Wayne and Janet Gretzky and he's like hey Wayne we're just actually talking about the team and Wayne was in St. Louis that next year and they're like who do you think we should goaltend and Grant goes and Wayne goes are you kidding me Grant Fears your goaltender and Mike Ian goes you're exactly right and he's like we brought him in but then Grant showed up to training camp overweight and they had to send him home and everybody was singing like and they got rid of Curtis Joseph right, right. and everybody's like Whoa, whoa, whoa! What do we do here? Do we do, are yeah. we getting like, you know, a Hall of Famer here? This past his prime, but then Grant got into shape, set an NHL record for most games played, and played lights out. And Brett Hall and everybody will tell you their team wouldn't have been a playoff contender that year if it wasn't for how amazing Grant Fury. Now, was played. that the year that Kiprios fell on him in the playoffs? Yep. So we we go into all that. We yeah. have Kiprios interview, and that tells you how awesome of a guy Grant is. That Grant wanted Kiprios. And, and still forgives him to this day. He's like, look, at the time, yeah, I was mad. He's like, but you like players fall on goalies. That's they do. They try to razzle him. And Kiprios was almost in tears. He's like, do you, of course, I was trying to start something. I was trying to do a hockey play. I knew Pronger was going to push me. I yeah. fell into him. But did I want to injure him? No, right? I wanted yeah. to get under his skin. He's like, yeah. I was heartbroken when I saw that I injured him. All right, uh, just in terms of some of the other uh, documentaries that you've worked on, because it's it's uh, pretty amazing in terms of some of the experiences you've had. If you can just educate us. Oh, yeah, us sure. So I, I did... Uh, the Good Son, The Life of Ray Boom Boom Mancini. I started my career. Duke Kim, I mean, obviously that would be, I mean, he, it was, I watched that fight live. It was a tragic situation. And, and Ray's another guy, like, put him and Grant in the same room, both amazing men, and what uh, Ray went through. And in the film, we actually had Ray meet the son right, of I, the man yeah, that he yeah. had met, that, you know, Duku, uh, for the first time. Uh, so that was a... a, a 
after an interview like that or when that moment happened, I was like, I can never go back to any other job. Yeah. Like, I have to do this as a career because it just is so moving and inspiring and not like anything else you do. So, but I go back, I've, I've, I've worked also on the culture high, which is a cult classic on Netflix. The union, the business behind getting high is what started my career. Uh, just finished chasing evil, the life of Robbie Knievel. That's on most of the platforms. Then we're currently in production on Donovan Bailey's doc and Danny Trejo's inmate. Number one, the rise of Danny Trejo. And he's a, Badass, you know what? Oh, that guy is his life. Like, if you were to make it in a dramatic movie, you'd be like, no way. There's right. no way that happened. But it's really what happened to him. Yeah. Uh, let's do this. Uh, for people listening right now, uh, how do I follow you on Twitter? Uh, it's Adam Score, like a goal with a big G, so that my that's how my name gets pronounced, right? So that, uh, you can follow me there, or you can follow Ice Guardians or Making Cocoa. It's just at any of those ones. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, pretty approachable. Uh, when are we looking at a potential launch date in Edmonton release date, uh, premiere date? Because I know you're at the uh, the TIFF, and yeah. then you're at, which is the Toronto Film Festival, and then you're going to do the one in Calgary as well. Yeah, we're the closing night gala at Calgary, which is really cool for my team and I because I've never I've never had an opening or closing night gala film. So. It's not forget Grant uh, played in Calgary late in his career. Did, uh, did he retire? I'm trying to he retired in Calgary. Retired yeah. in Calgary. Retired in Calgary. He thought he was done after St. Louis, but then Sutter called him play one more year. Yeah. And, and he did, so he went and finished there. So uh, excited to do that. And then it, it uh, we're looking to do something in Edmonton in October. We're still trying to figure out. It's going to have to be after October 16th. Yes, of course. Of course. We're away easy. for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're deliberately scheduling it like that so that the boys are home, that you guys are home. We want to make it something special for the community because this were a grant, you know, being from Spruce Grove originally and, you know, Grant wants to come back here, so we're just we're just making sure everybody's schedules work so we can do something really special for Edmonton. Well, Ryder was very well behaved for the interview, so you should be pleased on that. Uh, thank you for uh, coming to the studio, Adam, and joining us. Oh, my pleasure. And Thanks we, for always yeah, having me back. And we'll it. do this again. Uh, Donovan Bailey, love it. I remember watching that. Uh, 96, right, in Atlanta. And that was that was a great moment for Canada. And he, the back-to-back Saturday nights, right, on the first Saturday night, smoked him in the 100 meters, and then the relay for Canada, the 4x100, just watching the Americans lose at home in their event. That was one of the greatest sporting moments of all time. Oh, it's, it is. it is, And, uh, yeah, it was ranked. They just did something that's ranked, like, number two uh, next to Paul Henderson's goal yep. in 76. Yeah, right? it was. It, yeah, and he had style and panache. That's what I loved about Donovan Bailey, right? And it wasn't it wasn't cockiness. It was yeah. just he he was cool. You know what I'm saying? Well, and to think to overcome the ghost of Ben Johnson, right? Yeah. Is like like that question was asked every time he sat down to do a media interview for his entire career. Right. He was he is the most tested Canadian Olympian ever. They were testing him three times a week. Right for that whole year leading up to Atlanta. There are, there are people that think to this day, you know, I mean, Michael Johnson was the 200-meter the uh, yeah. runner and, and that had uh, Donovan Bailey, you know, totally 100, because he got into it a little bit late yeah. physically. Compared really to, late. Right, compared his, to, his coach said that he could be the latest to start really competing in track that's ever set a world record right. or, or won a gold. Absolutely. So he started in his late he, 20s. Had he started earlier, he would have had a chance to have been both the 100 and 200 meter champion, and he didn't need to cheat, and he was a stud. He, he was a, he was a, he was 15 years ahead of another guy out of Jamaica who's pretty damn good too. Yeah. Adam, awesome stuff. Uh, Grant Fuhr making cocoa. Check it out, and uh, we will uh, we look forward to having you back in the studio again. Awesome, thanks, Bob. All right, we've got Jay Woodcroft coming up. He is the uh, head coach of the Bakersfield Condors. We're going to go off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio 6:30. Chad.